Hey, this is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Today, we've got a legend on the show, Michael W. Smith. I'm sure you've heard of him. Over 18 million records sold worldwide, three Grammy Awards, 45 Dove Awards, and an ASCAP Lifetime Achievement Award in songwriting. Published 13 books, and is coming up on record number 30. Six platinum records, and that's just his music career. He's an amazing guy, an amazing family man, and we hear a little bit behind the scenes of his story and how he has had the success that he's had. We get to hear a little bit about the beginnings and what he went through to get where he is. He just came back from New Orleans last weekend, had an acting role in the Dick Clark production, The Passion, which was performed live in New Orleans, live on Fox, along with artists Daughtry, Seal, Trisha Yearwood, and more. Honestly, he's been one of my personal heroes in music for a long time, so this was a really special interview for me to do, and thank you for listening in. Make sure you head over to iTunes, leave us a good rating and a review, and share it with your friends. Here's Michael W. Smith. Well, here in the studio at Michael W. Smith's studio, he's joining us on the Full Circle Music Show. Thank you for being here today. You got it. Good to be on. Sitting in your awesome home studio here in Franklin, Tennessee. I had the privilege to meet you a few years back and got to work on the Sovereign record with you, which was kind of a dream come true for me because my house, we grew up having your stuff playing all the time. So definitely been an honor to work with you and just kind of be a part of what you're doing. So thank, uh, what's, you. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what's been, I mean, you kind of just came back from New Orleans. Do you want to talk a little bit about what kind of just happened down there? That was a pretty monumental thing you were a part yeah, of. Yeah, I was just involved in a big production that Fox aired on their network called The Passion with Trisha Yearwood, Daltrey, Tyler Perry narrated, kind of some new faces, Prince Royce, got a big hit on the radio now, Jen Carlos played Jesus, and Seal. Yeah. Like, whoa, it's Seal. I mean, this is in <laughs> this is kind of epic, you know, for me. But I played a disciple, participated uh, a little bit musically, which was fun. It was life-changing for me. It was just awesome. So I'm still kind of reeling from it. I thought it went really, really well, you yeah. know. And I think people were going to be talking about it for a long, long time. It's something that's just never been done before. I mean, right. the way they did it, it was sort of in three parts. You had It was kind of semi-live, all these live performances. Trisha was unbelievable, seeing all this stuff live in 20-mile-an-hour winds and right. you know, battling the elements. And um, and then the whole this whole big cross that's is another part of the movie that's going through the streets of New Orleans, finally yeah. getting to the park. And then there's a movie that was shot, which is mainly a lot of what I did was in that movie yeah. you know, that was filmed two months earlier. So. Yeah. But just a lot of friendships forged, and just great to work with Adam Anders, yep. you know, um, who's just done really, really well in L.A. and and then got to do a bonus track, you know, on the Target exclusive release of The Passion, yeah, which yep. the one and only right here, Seth Mosley. You, <laughs> I called at the last minute, going, "Can you carve out a few days? Can we see if we can pull this thing off?" and Songs called "He Will Never End." Thank you again. You did an amazing job. Everybody loves it. That's wow, fantastic song. So. And I remember it was kind of one of those down-to-the-wire things. How many of your songs, better yet, your hits from over the years, kind of came together like that on a last-minute sort of, hey, we got to do this, it's got to be done in 10 days, or is that kind of a unique situation? Yeah, I usually don't like that, yeah. but it happens on every record. You know? <laughs> and um, and there's 
something always pretty remarkable that happens because of it, you know? Yeah. You're sitting there kind of freaking out a little bit, but, you know, it's just more stuff that happens by mistake, or you end up writing a song at the very last minute, which that's happened a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, again, I don't like deadlines, but I think deadlines are good on some level. Right, right. So that was, because the Sovereign record, would that have been your 25th studio record? Is that right? Um I think Something like I'm that. trying to add them up because <laughs> there were three released that year. You know, there was, there was Sovereign, the and then there was the Christmas record, and then the Hymns record came yeah. out that year. So yeah. I think this new Hymns is either 28, 29, so you're probably right. Sovereign was probably number 25. Coming up on 30, then. Getting close. That's incredible. What, what do you have planned for record number 30? I don't know. <laughs> um, I just know that I've made my share of mistakes in the past. I've written my share of not so good songs and I, I don't want to do that ever again you know i was really happy with the sovereign record i think there's some really great moments on it i just think i want to blow it up and i think i'm going to reinvent myself again a little bit and i, I even hate saying that but i think there's a way to do that and still stay true to who you are yeah yeah but just assemble a team of people uh not only on the production side and writer side but probably on the distribution of just going if I'm going to do something, then it's got we got to have the A team on yeah. on every level yeah. to be involved. And if not, then I'd rather not do another record. Sure, you know. So, and who says it's a record? Who says it's not a TV show? Who says it's not right. a movie? Yeah. Who says it's not a little bit of all that? You yeah. know, the passion was a lot of that. You know, a lot of you know all these things colliding. You know, so sure. I do think the TV movie thing is in the future. As a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to go shoot another movie. You know, oh, wow. I was just this next week and I was in 90 Minutes in Heaven, yeah. which I got to score that with Tyler too. So that seems to be popping up from time to time. So, But uh, I'm just now actually just starting to think about what's next. Sure. And, uh, and the, the passion thing was very inspiring yeah. to sort of, you know, kind of light a fire under me going, you know what, it's time to start dreaming a little bit. So I'm, yeah. I'm in the dreaming mode at this point. And what do you put in your tank that kind of fills that up is there music that you're into now are you, are you reading do you, do you get into movies or is it kind of everything a little bit of everything you know i have a hard time finding music that i like honestly you know there's obviously things that pop up from time to time going well that's cool you yeah. know i ran across the the hits by seal at my house this morning and went whoa just by mistake going yeah. maybe i should go back and listen to that you know so if i can't find anything that i like i'll go back and find stuff that are Great, yeah. you know. I think probably the biggest inspiration has been the Passion soundtrack, yeah. Because there's so many great songs on that album, you know. That Adam obviously redid for, obviously the cast. They're all redone, you know. But sure, I forgot how much I liked Unconditional by Katy yeah. Perry, you know. Yeah. And then when Love Takes Over, which yeah. I think is one of the one songs, of that, yeah, that you yeah. like, which is on the Passion. So it was just been fun to hear. Because I listened to it over and over, and obviously in the production, you're hearing these songs over and over. And just to be able to hear great songs on a daily basis was pretty inspiring. Sure. Uh, well, I'd, I'd love to hear, just from my perspective, I'm sure you've shared this a thousand times by now. You could almost do it in your sleep, but what was your backstory of kind of getting into music and becoming an artist? How did you kind of, quote unquote, get on the map for the first time? Well, I think my biggest strategic move was moving to Nashville. You know, I grew up in Canova, West Virginia, and I was a baseball player. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I was, <clears throat> wasn't your typical jock because I was a musician, too. Wrote my first song when I was five. I'd never play it for you. It was horrible. Musical family? Musical family. And we all sang. 
I played by ear and didn't make the All-Stars at 15. And, and it was the only second time I walked down the aisle at my church. When I was 10, I had a massive encounter with, with the Lord that changed my life. And then 15, I walked down and told my pastor, I asked him if he'd pray for me. I said, I think music is supposed to be a part of the fabric of my life, and I have no idea how I'm going to get there or what the rules are, but I just believe this is what God has for me. You know, So, you know, I eventually just in 1978, just packed my bags, and I'm, I probably belonged in L.A. more so than Nashville, <laughs> you know, but I didn't want to move to L.A., and I didn't want to move to New York. And I had a friend in town named Shane Keister, big session player, keyboard player, who was from Huntington, who kind of embraced me and I moved here and worked with his brother in landscaping, and I just kind of stuck it out. I was going through a little hard time spiritually and yeah. had a drug phase. It was just crazy. I'd look back on it, and wow. it's still hard to believe. And thank God for praying mom and dad who just never said anything negative to me. They just sort of prayed me back into the kingdom. You wow. Know? And then I had a meltdown in fall of 79, and then things began to change. I met Amy Grant, started writing songs for her for the Age Days record. I met Mike Blanton and Dan Harrell. And then I played them a song called You Need a Savior, which is on the Michael W. Smith project. Yeah. You know, eventually, but before he made that record, and I played him that song, and they just go, dude, you, you bring in eight or nine other songs in like that, we'll go get a record deal. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. You know, and nobody would sign me. We went to LA, we, nobody would sign me. So they started a record label called Reunion Records to service me and Kathy Tricoli. Wow. And that's how Reunion was born. So. And I guess the rest is history. You know, opening up for Amy was sort of not a bad way to go. Yeah. Kind of being at the right place at the right time. Sure. What was that connection initially? How did you... They, Mike and Dan managed Amy. So I met, you know, I actually met Amy. I probably met Gary first and then met Amy, got introduced to her and found out her managers were Mike Blanton and Dan Harrell. Well, then I, yeah. I met those guys and we all just kind of hit it off, you know, as friends and yeah. I was real hyper writing... Five songs in three minutes. Just so, just I was so hyper, you know. Just I was so high strung, you know. Yeah. But we just kind of hit it off, and then they heard me play keyboards, and then my first real gig, Amy was the spring of '82, and I was her musical director, and I kind of put her band together. Wow. And then in, in August of that year, when they started reunion, I, in August and September, I cut the Michael W. Smith project for eleven thousand dollars. Amazing. Had a free studio at Tree Studio, which I was. A writer at that point for Metagreen, yeah, under the tree label, yeah. and and then I, I start opening up shows for Amy for the next two and a half years. Amazing. So about three years of sort of grinding it out in Nashville, doing landscaping and all kinds of crazy Worked stuff. Worked at Coca Cola, waited tables. Yeah, I had a lot of bologna sandwiches, bro. <laughs> yeah. Was there a specific time that kind of sticks out in your head that you were kind of like, okay, maybe this music thing is not gonna work out or it's not for me or was there a time that you wanted to quit or were you always just like no matter what happens i'm just gonna keep doing it i just i just knew it was my destiny yeah you know i never got i mean i got discouraged a few times i thought i'd written a gr this great song and took it in you know to a guy named randy cox and he didn't think it was very good and I remember kind of walking out and going kind of got deflated yeah but only deflated for five minutes and yeah. i would just sort of like jump back and going, okay, well, I'm going to go make it better. You know, I just sort of never gave up. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I would have ever predicted that 33 years down the road, right? I'd be sitting here talking to you, talking about a 
yeah crazy successful career i mean you yeah. know you always thought that this was your destiny but nobody i don't think anybody can you just can't pretend to, to know what that's going to look like you know so right i pinch myself every day i just go yeah i go wow god yeah i never could have orchestrated this pretty remarkable so coming up on whatever the 30th project is going to be you still seem really excited and inspired to keep doing it is that is that true or is that just i feel like my best work is ahead wow and i think that's just part of my wiring a little bit um yeah i'm real optimistic i just really want to be great at what i do and i don't think for selfish reasons i don't think i don't want to be a rock star i've been through all that Uh, i know ultimately at the end of the day what this is all about yeah of just honestly, this is my sweet spot. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, I have the chance to honestly just let people know who Jesus really is. I mean, that's really, that's the number one goal, you yeah. know, and doing that in a non threatening way. And just, I've had so much favor with people from all different aisles, yeah. you know, you know, people, non believers and believers. But I feel like as a believer, and I think I'm, I think I have the capacity because of who lives inside of me. We're supposed to be making the greatest art ever. Yeah. I'm ready to do that. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, just that's just kind of my thought process, you know. But just being, I want to finish well, definitely. And I just want to hit my sweet spot. And I want to just, and, and again, what that next thing is, I've got eight things on my board, you know. Right. I'm working on a symphony. I just did another hymns record, you know, the, all these, maybe another film, you know, obviously doing a film next week. And then, I mean, there's lots of stuff on the board, but there is that one place on the board, what is this sort of next thing that I'm yeah. going to write or co-write, yeah. and who am I going to work with on it? I, and that's what I don't know yet. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty incredible. Thinking back over all the years being an artist, I think one of the things that I struggle with and a lot of young artists or writers or producers struggle with is the whole balance of being a creative versus you know, being a, being a good family man. How have you found balance over the years to kind of keep all of that together? And, you know, what's the secret for that? Well, we made the, we made the rule, Devin, I'm, you know, when when this thing started really taking off, you know, when the Amy thing, and then I'll just did the friends tour and big picture tour, we started having children. So you were married when I got, I got married in 81 to Deb. So it'd be 35 years this year. So congratulations. Thank you. She's awesome. And, but we knew I think we probably really knew probably when I did the Lead Me On tour, which was probably most most successful, other than the Change the World tour. It was probably the most successful tour I've ever been a part of because we yeah. sold out arenas, me yeah. and Amy, all around the country yeah. and in other countries as well. Yeah. And we just started seeing people in our genre and then other genres when it came to being entertainers and all that sort of thing that marriages were falling apart left and right and so we we kind of i remember just having a talk with deb and just going you know there's probably more if we don't make some rules we're, there's probably more chances of us being a casualty than not and yeah. we're not going to be a casualty yeah and so i just we just made the rule i'm not going to ever be gone more than two weeks from my family ever wow. Wow. even if i had to cross the pond and come back and cross it again yeah and i was never gone from deb and the kids for more than two weeks wow had a little aircraft, and I don't talk about that much, you know. Yeah. I just worth every it was worth every penny. I thought I've got to get on to my family. Yeah, 
And a lot of times I'd, I'd do a show and I'd literally walk off stage and got in a car and I was on the jet and I was home at midnight and I'm driving carpool at 7.15. Wow. I did that for 12 and a half years. Yeah. And um, and I think if you talk to my kids, I think, I mean, I think if you could have a private one-on-one, I think they would all say we were more important to my dad than his career was. Wow. So you just, and now I got all these young bands. I got some of these young kids are all starting to come to me and ask me exactly what you asked me. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's part of my role in the future is to sort of be a fatherly role and try to help kids, you know. And yeah. I just don't think you can do 250 shows on the road and keep a family together. I just, yeah. and they said, well, we got to pay the bills. We got to make the house payment. My response is then buy a smaller house. Wow. <laughs> yeah yeah mcfly hello yeah you know just yeah. like just really common sense kind of thing you know yeah and obviously then just have some great accountability you got to have a band of brothers and you got to have a just a good whether you call it your life group or your prayer group you got to just have some people that's going to walk with you because it's a tough it's a tough business yeah especially if you're an artist and you're traveling sure yeah it can take you down so you just got to yeah. guard up yeah. Do you think it's harder now to get into it since it's so, you know, I mean, you've probably seen a lot of changes over the years and now it's so streaming based that artists are kind of, like you said, having to go out and tour to make their, you know, to make their bills because they're not selling records and, yeah. you know, you're making point zero 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 eight cents a song right. per stream. I mean, do you think that's, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are kind of gloom and doom about the music biz but do you think it's I definitely of, think it's harder. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, obviously the revenue is not there like it used to be. Yeah. I mean I mean I was I lived in the heyday when people bought CDs like crazy. I mean, that was like crazy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I think there's a new day, so I, I tend, you know, and I think I could well, I would encourage any of these young bands, you know, to, you know, it's probably never going to be like it was. But I think there's New opportunities. Yeah, think out of the box. You got to get involved with some people who can help you think out of the box. Yeah, because I think there's a new day and how to do business and build how to let people know who you are. And yeah. but I but not at the expense of your family. You know, right. so I can understand the pressure that a lot of these bands feel that they got to tour all the time. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I get upset a little bit with record companies because I think they, and I'm not saying everybody does that, but. I think there's pressure from them. That the band's got a tour? Yeah, and that bothers me. Yeah, Because I don't feel like there's any, I feel like it's so, so one-sided when I feel like there should be a balance of not only caring about their success, but also caring about their families sure. from the executive level. Sure. Well, yeah, that's, I, I'm, I'm really glad and inspired to hear you say all that. And if you kind of look back over all the years, I mean, because a lot of people that, listen to the show are kind of, you know, up and coming kid in Nebraska that wants to be an artist or pro songwriter or whatever it is. Is there anything that you would kind of say to the younger you when you were first getting into it that you're like, okay, you might want to do that a little differently. Is there, is there anything that kind of comes to mind like that? Well, I, th- I think heart wise, I mean, obviously we all, we all grow up, we all make mistakes. I think we all get, if we really are seeking the Lord, we all get a little wiser as we get older, but yeah, I'd probably go back and tell myself, at 23, 24 years old, I'd probably just say, dude, it's not about you. That's probably the first thing I would say. Yeah. You know? And I was so like, you know, how many records did we sell? And did we sell any t-shirts? And, 
you're just so like, and it's hard because you're excited. You want to be successful, you know, and I think I would just wish I'd have seen the bigger picture a little bit. And that's probably what I'd say to these young kids going, why are you here? Sure. Reconnect with why you're here because you're, you're not here to be a superstar. Yeah. You know, but, but there's nothing wrong with being successful at all, you know, but it just, it can't drive you. It can't just encompass everything that you do. It just can't, you know? So yeah. I always say, what's your contribution? Think about, you know, and even in the hard times and trying to get the thing off the ground, are you making a contribution? Are you changing somebody's life? Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's that kind of stuff I'd probably say. And then if I had to say something on the musical level, I'd say it all starts with the song. Sure. You can be the greatest singer in the world. But if you don't have the song, you know. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the key. If you're going to be a recording artist and establish a career, it's yeah. all about the song. Yeah. So do you think to have a lasting career, you have to be able to be a songwriter or just kind of, I mean, it's interesting, like country music, it's, it's a lot of the time that singers are singing other people's songs. Yeah. And No, you know. I, I don't think, there's a lot of people who are not singer-songwriters. I mean, I, I sort of gravitate towards singer-songwriters. Yeah. I mean, but you've got some people who are not really great songwriters, but they're great singers and they just have this persona about them that's like... yeah. You look at them going, that guy's a superstar. Yeah. Or she's, they just, they just got it. You know, they yeah. just got whatever that it is. They've got it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, both work. Sure. So for a while, cause you ran a label, started a label called, called Rocket Town, right? So you kind of sat in that seat on the, on the side of the label, you know, is that something that's in your future or is that, that, that was done and kind of on to the next thing or? I think the labels thing is over for me. I, yeah. I, you know, I think we made a lot of, I mean, I haven't really talked about this much. It's crazy. I mean, I, I think about it often. I mean, it's done. Yeah. We sort of folded it, you know. Sure. But I believe if we had made better choices back then, I think the record label could have survived. Sure. You know? what kind of, like what kind of choices? Like, I just don't, I feel like we just, we didn't, I mean, I love starting the label because it felt like all these singer-songwriters that labels weren't signing those kind of artists, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we were fortunate to find some really, really great writers, Chris Rice being one of those, yeah, you know, yeah. just wrote all these amazing songs. Yeah. But I just feel like that we saw a storm coming and we didn't react to it, you know? I think I would have probably made staffing changes earlier. I think we probably should have co... We probably should have sold maybe half the label. We should have, like partner with somebody sure you know i mean we had distribution obviously but yeah we should just made some wiser choices you know and i i mean ultimately i mean i i guess i have to take full responsibility i wasn't there on a day, daily basis sure but i certainly had the ability to go in and make an executive change and i just didn't do it and i should have so in the, the day I, I probably have to take the blame for that sure well i mean that's it ran its course and, yeah. and i go there's still some great stuff. I mean, there's. I still love going back and listening to Exodus record, you know? Yeah. And those Chris Rice records, you know? I remember Jenny came in, Jenny Owens one day, you know, just blown away by what she did on that first album. and Yeah. And Will Shire, and, you know, this list goes on, you know? But you can't change the past, you know? It's just a... Right. So I'm very fortunate that I didn't lose my house. and Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we definitely suffered some losses, you know, and lost a lot of money. Sure. Well, you know, that's unfortunately kind of sometimes it seems like the nature of the music business when you kind of get in and you don't know what it's going to be, but you got to 
try it and figure it out as you go. I mean, it seems to be the people that stick around the longest are the ones who are kind of entrepreneurial and willing to make mistakes and yeah, try different things. Not and, afraid to fail. I mean, failure is yeah. part of the process, you know. You just hope you have more successes than failures. Right. If you failed all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might be in the wrong business, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's one thing I wish I, I wish I could have changed it, but you know, I can't. I learned a lot from it, you know, so you learn and apply what you learned in the future and saying that, that's probably why probably very wise to not go start a record label. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I'm probably more I'm more inclined to sort of be in the publishing world, you know, because yeah. I think there's some longevity there yeah. versus trying to be a record company. So that's the that's the word of advice for Michael Lee Smith. Don't go start a record label. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, man, I, I know you're incredibly busy and, you know, have tons of things going on, but it's really generous of you to uh, come and do this with us today. And I've learned a lot. I think our listeners will take a lot away from the conversation. So is there anything you'd kind of just want to leave everybody with as, you know, anything you're working on, anything you're excited about right now? I don't think so. I think I might have said it all. I, I mean, yeah. I wish I had just a little bit more clarity of what, what's kind of what the next thing is. Sure. You know? um, sure. You know, I think I'm still, like I said at the beginning, I think I'm still reeling from this passion experience. Yeah. You know, I just think, I would say this, whatever you're doing, anybody listening, you got to take some risk. Yeah. You know, I love adventure, you Mm -hmm. know, I love sort of living on the edge a little bit, you know, and I think that's what these people did on the passion. I mean, this was a real, this was a real risk. Yeah. You know, you got Dick Clark involved, the productions, and you spend... $12, $13 Twelve, thirteen million dollars. I mean, obviously, right. I, I wasn't footing that bill, right? You know? <laughs> but just on a creative level, just I would just challenge, and I challenge myself with this all the time, is that we have a lot of things that sound alike, you know, and a lot of writers just kind of moving words around, you know. There are some exceptions. There's some great stuff that's written, but just raise the bar, mm. you know. Be really, really good at what you're doing, whatever that is. Just be really good at it. Yeah. Because I think that's what we're called to do. Well, that's fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time today. You got it. Thank you. This has been the Full Circle Music Show, produced by Full Circle Music, editing help from Jericho Scroggins. We heard from legend Michael W. Smith today. We'll be back next week with another music industry veteran. We'd love to hear your feedback. If there's an idea you have for the show, someone you want us to interview, a question you have, just send us an email to info at fullcirclemusic.org. Again, that's info at fullcirclemusic.org. And if you haven't already, go over and get our top 10 tips for songwriting from a Grammy-winning songwriter. Go to fullcirclemusic.org and download it right on that front page. We'll see you next week.